0: Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code.
1: Hi, good morning,
0: and welcome to rewrite the mother code with me, your host, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Today's guest will be coming on shortly. Her name is Nikki Odin, And I recently recorded to be on her podcast, which you're going to hear all about. And had such a good time. I was excited that she would agreed to uh, join me on mine. So we're going to be speaking today about how to have a great mom life. so really fits in with particularly around the self-mothering aspect of rewrite the mother code. And I know she's done a lot of work on that for herself and uh, looking forward to having us all hear her story so much about, I think, yes, there's like how-tos and hacks and we need to-dos, but I know for me, the inspiration from other women who are doing the work and digging in is always such an inspiration and it keeps me going. Yep. I'm recording here. It's Monday morning, kicking my week off, and I couldn't think of a better thing to do than sit down and have a nourishing conversation with another woman about her mom journey. It also puts me in the space of my book writing. Yes. Yes. Um, Because that's really what I hope to convey. You know, there'll be lots of good stuff in there about how, you know, the research and exercises and things like that. But to me, the richness is going to come from women sharing themselves and, and women I've coached or been around through their coaching and have gotten to see firsthand what it takes. And every little bit helps, um, but certainly having a coach, someone by your side to really guide, to really, you know, buoy and hold space and open up possibilities. That's always what I feel like my job is in these instances. So, that being said, of course, I would love to have you reach out anytime uh, to hear more about coaching with me and what that looks like and the process and and what we go through and what the possibilities would be for you. You can reach out to me via email, gertrude at drgertrudelyons.com. And that's D-R, Gertrude, G-E-R-T-R-U-D-E-L-Y-O-N-S.com. All right, here we go. Well, as I promised, here I am with Nikki Oden. Welcome to the show, Nikki.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Gertrude. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yay. I know I am too, because I had so much fun and was so inspired being on your podcast, which I'll share about here in a second. So thank you. And um, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to share some about Nikki and then have her you know, more personally share as we do. So, but I think to get, just to hear about this inspiring life is a good start. Good way for us to kick off. Okay, so Nikki Odin is a lawyer and mom mentor who helps working moms battle burnout by teaching them how to own their days and crush their goals without the mom guilt. After walking away from a lucrative career as a commercial litigator for a prestigious international law firm to become a stay-at-home mom, Nikki learned firsthand how easily a woman can completely lose herself in motherhood. Don't I know it? Okay. Realizing (laughs) that she needed something that was hers outside of being mommy and wife, Nikki started a home-based business and quickly experienced what it means to live in survival mode. Eventually, through a lot of trial and improvement, she figured out how to harmonize what she wants as an ambitious woman with who she wants to be as a mother. we're going to dig into that and is passionate about teaching other working moms how to do the same. Her mission is to help those moms love their mom lives and themselves a little more. Nikki is the founder of Your Ideal Mom Life, host of Love Your Mom Life podcast and author of But Definitely Wear Mascara, hacks to help you love your mom life and yourself a little more. Her work has been featured in the Boston Globe, Today Parents, Cafe Mom, Kid Spot, Clean Plates, Authority Magazine, Fox 5s, Good Day, DC, NBC6, and more, I'm sure. So Nikki, that's quite a lot and quite a beautiful journey just hearing it you know, off the page. Thank you. But now we get to hear more about it from you live and because I know it's been a huge journey for you. So wherever you want to pick up or wherever you want to start and kind of just jump right in.
1: Yeah. I think that for me, it was a big surprise becoming a mother and it not being easy, (laughs) you know,
0: which is I think a really
1: naive thing.
0: It's not naive. It's built into our culture that it's, we think, right. We think it's supposed to, we're somehow we're fed that it's supposed to be easy. So yes keep going.
1: Well, it's like something like presumably anyone biologically, and I know I'm, I'm being a little bit flippant there, but like generally that anyone can do. And I, I'm not, I'm not being sensitive about infertility. I I know that is a very real struggle for a lot of women. It's just not something that you grow up thinking about. So you think like, yeah, I'm just going to have a baby and how hard can it be to be a mother? And I think for me being super type A and having (laughs) graduated first in my class from law school and then working really hard as a lawyer for this prestigious firm, I was like, nothing's harder than this. (laughs) Nothing can be more difficult than what I've been through these last eight, Mm. you know, nine years. So I was shocked. I was really surprised when it wasn't easy and I found myself Really, like in tears almost every day because of how mm. hard it was, and I couldn't articulate to my husband and to other friends who hadn't had children yet why it was hard. Yeah. And I think as I reflect back on it, it's a, a a number of reasons. For number one, my hormones were probably wackadoo, right? They're up down trying to regulate yes. after giving birth. Sure. And then there's just the weight of it, the 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 sheer importance of this human this other human that you've brought into the world and and who is completely and utterly dependent on you for even just their next meal you know mm-hmm. to not be sitting in in a soiled diaper all day every little thing is is on you and i think the weight of that really i took that really seriously and so i i think my journey was really interesting and and probably not all that unique but interesting for me because i i really went through a lot in terms of my personal development from becoming a mother and wanting to be the best mother I could be, whatever that mean meant for me. And then realizing that doing that meant I had lost who I was before. And I was like, wait a minute, how do I how do I get that girl back? Because I think she should be allowed to exist. And I started to notice women who were older than me who were having kids leave the nest and they were like, I don't know who I am now. I don't know who I am without these kids to take care of. And I really felt like I don't want that to be me. So I had a lot of, it was a, it was a lot of moving parts because I had told my husband, I wanted to be home. I had said, I was going to take care of these kids. And then all of a sudden, two years later, I was like, I don't, I don't like this. And I felt really guilty about it. Yeah. I I felt a lot of, um, judgment. I felt like yeah. if I said that out loud, the moms who were at home were going to be like, what kind of mom are you? You you don't want to be around your kids all day. And the moms at the law firm would be like, what is wrong with you? You get to be home with your kids all day and you you want to come back and do some kind of work. It was it was a really um trying time, but eventually I was able to harmonize like I like you said in my bio who I wanted to be as a woman with the mother I wanted to be. And I yeah. want that for other moms.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, there's so many things that you, you know, touched on in there, Nikki, that I, we could go on and on about, but I think particularly, you know, w- what we said, uh, oh my gosh, which one do, which one do I pick? Okay. Um, The, the aspect of feeling like if I did such hard things and, and those are hard, you know, first of a class mm-hmm. at law school. And then, you know, I have friends and know people who work in, in law and litigation and whatnot, and it's intense, intense. It so how could anything be harder than that? Right. But I think what I want to say about that is, well, they're just, they're just, they're very different hard, yes, right? but we're not a great way to say it. They're very different hard. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to make a big generalization, but i th- and then we can talk about it. but the school and the job is very masculine, yang, right? it's 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 you you have a course, you study, you kind of know what's expected, you know what it's going to take to accomplish that goal. you know, there's there's and, and then in and there's systems that help you that reflect how you're doing, right? right. <laughs> there's grades, there's right. um awards. there's, you know, all these levels and ways, and then same in our job where, you know, we're given a certain salary, we're given increases when we do well, We're <laughs> we have so many guideposts to kind of tell us like, and frame, you know, what, what doing it well, but just how you're doing. And, you know, they're very doing oriented. Whereas I I think we're not, you know, it's not like we took classes. Of course, that would be terrible, like, you know, like back to HOMAC classes, because even those wouldn't have taught us, those still would have taught us about the doing of it probably more so Certainly. than, you know, the being necessarily the being. And I think right. that's what we want to get at is that feminine, you know, yin aspect of the being that comes with us. And you mentioned hormones mm-hmm. and you mentioned all of these things that, you know, come at you and, you Just this rush, you know, right when you give birth to a baby and then new motherhood. There's just so much going on physically, and then you know you're in what's really a very being space. And that's I think when you said like there's no words to really explain. Like I try and tell my friends why this is hard, and you just you can't put words to it because it is so again a generalization right brain. Um it's experiential. It's a a right brain experience that doesn't necessarily hold words in the same way. So Mm -hmm. I I really wanted to underline that point because I think so many women come across it. And then we're then then you bring up the like, well, one's got to be better than the other. You know, not better, but oh, I choose one. Why aren't you doing this? And then all finding that balance. So yeah, so now I'd love to hear more about what that journey was like for you to choose what was right for you, right? Because yeah. it's not like any of these choices are right or wrong, you know, full-time at home mom, full-time work, which still technically includes being a full-time mom. We just pretend 100%. it doesn't. <laughs> right. So that's the big lie in that one. Like, yeah, I'm a, a working mom. It just means, yes, you have a second full-time job in exactly. addition to all the other things, Um But what was that journey like for you? Because there's, you know, all of them are choices. It's more about how you got to what worked for you and what that was like.
1: You know, I love what you just said about it not being binary. And I don't know that I ever, until this moment, until you said that, realized that that's what I was struggling against. It wasn't binary for me. And I wanted it to be a blend of something because I was, I am, a complex multifaceted human being. I'm not You're just there. a mother nor am I just a lawyer. So mm-hmm. it, it I think that is where the struggle was for me and I the way I stepped into trying to blend those things was by starting a home-based business. So I said, okay, I'm not going back to lawyering because in my mind there's no lawyering that can be done that is not mutually exclusive with being a mother. I later mm-hmm. learned that that was a lie that I, I was just telling myself because of the experience I'd had, but sure. I, I dabbled, began by, by starting a home-based business, just so that I could have that feeling of I'm still here. I'm mm-hmm. still available when you need me. I just also have something else that I'm creating. And that was an amazing experience. I met a lot of great women, made a lot of mm-hmm. friends. It was a social selling opportunity. And that is also when I learned what it meant to live in survival mode, because I did care about this business and I cared about who I was becoming through that process. And it was very important to me. However, being the mother I wanted to be was also important. And by then I had two children who are now, who are 17 months apart. So at that time, it was a little rough. There was yes. a lot of- a lot That's of a lot. trying to keep one kid from murdering the other, you For know, sure. et cetera, peeing on the floor, all the things. <laughs> so learning that, that feeling of being in survival mode of never sitting down to have a meal of literally eating in the car, like in the movie, bad moms where she <laughs> eating while the car is moving. I had a lot of those moments where I was trying to cram so much in. And I realized that this wasn't unique to being a home-based business owner that the you know, moms who work outside the home and, you know, have the full-time job, they were probably going through this as well. And I, I realized coaching other people on my team that we all have this beastly struggle of trying to mm. harmonize these two things. And that really inspired me. That really broke my heart open to wanting to help other moms. That's where all of this was born for me and this passion because I've lived it. I live it every day and I know it's a real thing. It's it's like something we can talk about here and there, you know, like a party. like, oh, it's so hard to be a working mom, but it's, it is. it is, it's not just because of the time part of it. It's because of that, who am I part of it that mm-hmm. I'm both of these people and how do I do both of these things well?
0: Yeah no, well said and well it brings up for me the the you know how we measure ourselves and and I know there's something you know you work on around supporting moms with the difference between you know navigating self-criticism mm-hmm. and you know bringing up compassion so I'm going to want you to dive into that a little bit more kind of how how you do that and where you go because, You've obviously had to work on that yourself (laughs) and, and, you know, measuring ourselves, there's just so many ways, so many ways in the, well, and I just want to say, you know, also what's so different about the mom job is there really is no other job you'll do that you care about in a way that no external job can compare to, right? Mm -hmm. There just is a difference. And that's just true. Um, We mother in all of those arenas, right? Mm -hmm. We mother in our career and mother with your husband, but this has its own very distinct nuance. So the vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and this desire to want to do a good job that you have really no, as I said, navigation parameters to guide you other than, you know, what the experts say or, you know, what your family says, which is, you know, what I work on helping women see is you know, tuning into yourself. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit more how you traded self-criticism for compassion, which I know is an ongoing job, you know, it's not a one and done, Um, and then support other women to do that.
1: I started to realize that the things I was telling myself a lot of times weren't true. And I started to become more intentional about noticing what I was saying to myself and as I'm coaching other moms through this, I explain to them that when you're intentional and you're aware, you will come to realize that guilt is a choice. Mm -hmm. Mom guilt is a choice and it doesn't always feel like it. It feels a lot of times like it's inevitable or like it, or maybe even like it makes you a better mom, but the truth is it only hurts you. And I think that it's okay to have that initial you know, sort of knee-jerk reaction when things happen or when you fall short or you don't show up the way you wanted to Mm -hmm. or you didn't prepare the way you should have and now your kid is at book fair without money, right? Like there's tremendous opportunity there to feel guilt. We can't always control that first thought, but the second thought, let's be more intentional and aware and take responsibility for our second thought. So that's how Mm -hmm. I started. I just started to practice a new second thought. And sometimes, I mean, like you said, it's an ongoing thing. The other day, my first thought I made a mistake about something was "you suck, you suck," and then my second thought was, "No, you don't. Yes. You don't. Def- no, you totally don't." And then I'm I'm literally having this conversation with myself in my head. You're amazing. Look at all the things that you've done. Everyone makes mistakes. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then, like even with the kids, your kid's going to be okay. Your kid knows you love them. They know that you show them in the way you care for them. In the fact that you tuck them in that they have a roof over their heads that they have food that they have clothing and that you you know you show them you love them the fact that they ended up at book fair without money yeah it's unfortunate but they're not they know you love them right so mm-hmm. you can choose to dwell on things like that and berate yourself but it doesn't change what happened and it's not going to make you a better mother going forward maybe you'll remember next time but there are yes. other ways you could have yourself remember next time without the berating so oh. I, I really want people to 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 forgive themselves and to treat themselves like you would treat someone you love. And my rule of thumb is, if you wouldn't say it out loud to your child, don't say it to yourself. You would never tell your son that he sucks or you would never tell your daughter that she doesn't matter. So stop doing it to yourself.
0: Oh, that's so spot on. I love that. And you said something earlier too about, oh, maybe we need to like do something different to help remember that money. And how often, you know, we, we go to blame or shame or, you know, justification as opposed to, we need a new system. Mm-hmm. Like That's really the only thing that's going to change this. Like you right. said, you know, and and just, myself, this is
1: information now. You know, I, this I, is, I know I need a new system because I forgot.
0: <laughs> right. And then, yeah, maybe I need help setting up systems. Maybe that's something my partner's better at than right. I am. Or yeah, no, I'm, I'm the one in the family that's good about, you know, getting, Uh, the system set up, right? And uh, that relieves sometimes these really practical things. But then you also said it's practical in its own way too, because that's where, you know, we're rewriting scripts, we're rewiring ourselves and these messages that have just become a habit in our head also, right? right. So you have a new system of following up, catching yourself, first of all, in a negative thought, which you're doing, right? And then following it up with, a positive one, which of which you have plenty, right? And then even data like, mm. is this the end of the world? Is my, you know, is my child going to die because he didn't have, right. or she didn't have, you know, their book fair money? No, but I'm having a lot of feelings about how that reflects on me. And I can tend to those feelings, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's okay to have feelings, right? Yeah. Uh, and I know that's something.
1: Yeah. I, w- I was going to say, uh, I would love to touch on that because I'm not yeah, talking about ahead. toxic positivity to where. You're trying to force yourself to feel something that you don't feel. I'm talking about what is actually true. You are a good mother. You are a capable human being. Those things are true. So telling yourself you're not is that it's just lies that there's there's nothing good that will come from that. And punishing yourself isn't gonna make it better. Like I I think sometimes people feel like, well, I deserve. I just des- that's what I deserve because I mm. messed up. And and really the two things that they're not related, you know, mm-hmm. beating yourself up over and over again is probably something you've been doing for years and you still make mistakes. So it's, right. it's not, it's not making you any more perfect. It's just yeah. serving to, to create this undercurrent of, of not loving yourself. And trust me, your kids will notice that. And that's mm-hmm. an even bigger thing. They watch the way you treat yourself and that's how they learn how to treat themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have oh to my be gosh. really so- vigilant about that. That's kind of the good news, bad news thing, right? Sometimes we give our kids so much and, you know, provide all this, but really where they're learning everything is by watching us 24 yep. <laughs> seven
1: little 24/7, sponges, little sponges. And then you're like, Oh, why did you say that to yourself? And they're like, well, I heard you say it. It's, it's always like, okay. <laughs> yes. yep. a, a yeah. reality check."
0: And I'm so glad you brought that up because right. We're not talking about toxic positivity as, as you called it, but yeah. And then making this distinction, sometimes we do have to fake it a little bit till we make it. We might not believe like, you know, fully, but the more you feed yourself some of that data, right. Right. Actual data about what you do that, you know, is very positive and, and, There'd be no question that your children don't feel loved because they do. And you're teaching them that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, mommy made a mistake, right? We're going to figure out how to, you know, have a new system, but, you know, owning and not trying to pretend like we don't, I think also, because I think that's something when we feel so guilty, or as we said, you know, we're modeling that it's not okay to make mistakes. That's how we learn, right? Right. Right. So how we learn. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Neho meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go. It's a five and a half day retreat. Getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. And then, you know, I was thinking about the, uh, the, the, what it kind of takes to rewire. And I like what you said, because the the deep aspect of that, right? There's the, wow, where did those voices come from? How did I come to be so self-critical? And, and I think that's kind of the gift of these things coming up. You know, when we're aware is I get to explore that. You know, this to me is how I heal and grow through my mothering, you know, not just get through it, you know, and kind of tactical ways. It makes you more aware. Right. You have this opportunity to possibly heal, you know, Mm -hmm. voices. It could be from our upbringings, it could be, you know, from the atmosphere we grew up in, um, that sent some of those messages or you felt like it did. Sometimes it's literal. Sometimes we just feel like it is. So we, we believe them Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that unbelieving and that unwiring uh, unraveling of that is, is the opportunity when we make ourselves aware and when we can catch it and give ourselves, you know, what we're giving our children, which I think is such a key important thing that we can, that we can take on.
1: I think that is the gift in all of this. And right? I think that it's very easy to miss it and to brush it off or, or to be ashamed that you have these feelings, but when you can look at them for, for the message they're giving you and perhaps what they're a symptom of and be able to to give yourself permission to dive into that and find out where it comes from. That's exciting. It's exciting to be able to heal that unprocessed trauma that might be 40 years old and to release it. It's never too late to, to release that pain and that trauma. And, and and when I say trauma, I'm not talking about like something horrible happened to you. I'm just talking about you perceive something when you were one or two as meaning something about who you were and what you were worth. And now you've been telling yourself a story and trying to find evidence for years and years and years of about why that's true, about why you're not good enough. And mm-hmm. unpacking that and being able to release it is such a gift.
0: It really is. And I think you, where you and I are so aligned, it's like, we want mothers, women, you know, people to know this and know yeah. that it's not that they're doing something wrong, that strong feelings come up or you know, the, the self-criticism, all the things we've been talking about, that's not a mark against us. It's a mark. It's just a signpost along the way for like, Hey, here's something to tend to, you know, exactly. Here's <laughs> we're just, yeah. you know, waving the flag. And, you know, one of the gifts of having a children is they're going to stir all that stuff up. They're going to bring Too. up all yeah. that baggage. Yeah. Um, and no, do we have time to dig into everyone right in that moment? But that's where, you know, mentors and coaches like us um, come in, right? Because just taking that time, you know, setting time aside for, you know, uh, in in a coaching environment that can help you unpack that, help you see it because we're not always aware in the moment. We know something's going on and we sense it and we know something's not off, but we don't know what to do. And uh, I know that some of what you do and maybe that's what's in your book or just in your coaching, but the, as we call them, like the hacks, you know, to, Yeah. I'm going to call it hacks to self-mothering, you worded a little bit differently, but do you want to share maybe a little bit about that and, and kind of how you, boil, Yeah, I, I don't mean boiled it down, but you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned my book, it's called, but definitely yeah. wear mascara and it's full of hacks to help you love yourself yes. and your mom life a little bit more. So I think this, this is all very profound. And I think for a lot of us, it's hard to wrap your mind around. So I love breaking it down and giving little tips and tricks on just how to love yourself a little bit more, mm-hmm. because that's going to in turn help you love your mom life more. And it's going to help with your relationship with your kids and with your spouse and with your friends and your, your coworkers, etc. because it's, I believe a woman is the center of her household. And so if she is feeling more fulfilled and peaceful and joy And awareness that just spills over into everything that she does. It's kind of like when they say, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. That's Mm -hmm. true. It is. And and whether it's not always intentional, (laughs) it's not like you're trying to make everyone else unhappy, but it spills over into everything you do. And especially because your kids are so receptive and they feel your energy it really the way you treat yourself and how you go about starting your days and and spending time on yourself really affects them as well. So the book, I you know, it has a lot of we we talk about perfectionism and how to kind of recover from that. We talk about speaking to yourself the way you would speak to somebody you love. We talk about the five people you hang around the most mm-hmm. because when you want to think about like the stories you're telling yourself or the words you've been hearing all your life, a lot of that's coming from the people you're hanging around. And and sometimes I don't mean physically. I mean, the people you talk to on the phone every day, maybe even the the shows you watch or the podcast you listen to, the news channel that you're tuning into, all of that's affecting how you perceive the world and how you perceive yourself. So to be really intentional about what you're allowing into your your innermost space is extremely important. And a lot of times- It's not something that we really stop and think about until we, we start having this awareness. And if you want your life to look a certain way, then you better believe you need to be listening to and hanging out with and sharing stories with other people who want their lives to look that way too. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just, it's, it's like crabs in a bucket. You just kind of go that way. And I, and it's not intentional. It's like this, it's this story that you're telling yourself over and over again, because it's what you're hearing and what you're allowing yourself to be exposed to.
0: Now, that's a big one, Nikki, mm-hmm. you know, the, and that can be hard. Cause you know, maybe there's, there were some people in your life that like fit a certain aspect or, you know, time in your life, but now, or as, as you raise more awareness or you get more mindful and attuned and that much more sensitive, to what's nourishing for you and what's helping buoy you and empower you and bring you along. Sometimes those relationships or friendships don't fit anymore. And nope, they don't. You know, we it's kind of like uh they they worked then and you know that can be a challenge to let go, but that is such a big act of loving yourself and self-mothering to do that because, you know, research proven that the impact of the people closest to you or everything, you know, it's our energy to the habits. Like you said, what we see is influencing us in what might be obvious, but also what might not be so obvious ways. So I think that's a, that's a really big one. Um, <laughs> it is. And and, and now, I, you
1: know, I talk about in the book that it doesn't mean that you ax the person from your life and they're dead to you. I mean, mm-hmm. I have plenty of friends, like you were just saying, from earlier stages of my motherhood journey, who I spoke to every single day, who I hardly ever speak to now. But when we speak, it's always from a place of love. It's always, it's always a joyful interaction. It's not like, oh, well, you I'm don't just like me this anymore, because, right?
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: And so I think that sometimes people are afraid of that about being intentional about the five people they hang around the most about, you know, upgrading their five, which is something I, I like to say. And when I say that, I don't mean that, that you just completely cut people out of your life or that they don't exist anymore. You don't have time for them. It's just, you, you share in different ways and you grow away in a respectful and loving way, but that doesn't mean that you care any less about them or that you don't think they're good people. So I, I like to make that distinction because I think for, for sure. a lot of women, especially it sounds scary and really difficult, you know, that's not for me, but it can be, you just have to be, you, you take it one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: There's something that you also talk about because, and, and you shared, and I and I underlined it when I read your bio about how easy it is to lose yourself and your children. Mm-hmm. And I know that happened for me and I was coaching and, you know, in a growth environment, you know, my coaching sessions became all about my kids. Our couples coaching sessions became about our kids. And I kind of knew in the back of my mind that was happening, but I was also super relieved that, that, you know, the heat was in some ways, as I call it off me. And I didn't, I could kind of stop doing my exploration because, you know, I needed to tend to these children, you know, all these different ways subtle and not so subtle that we lose ourselves with our children. Do you want to share a little bit about how you see that or what that was like for you?
1: For me, I think it was pretty consuming. I, it, it felt physical. Hmm. I felt like I wasn't sleeping as well. Um, which I under, you know, that, that that's sort of par for the course, as they say when you have a very small child. And I also just felt like I wasn't doing things for myself. Like I wasn't exercising. I wasn't taking time. That was just for me. And I told myself the story that I couldn't. How can I? I have these two kids and they need me. They need me to be there all the time. Now, again, I'm not talking about the first 12 weeks of life, right? Because right. they, they, they do need you. <laughs> they do they need
0: you a like lot. Yeah.
1: When they're toddlers and they they have interests. I mean, you can't leave them alone, but you can certainly get 20 minutes to yourself. They are sleeping you know, through the night. So you should be sleeping, that kind of thing. And um, I, I just, for me, I just realized one day that I, I was like, when was the last time I showered? And I don't know if I brushed my teeth today. Like I wasn't taking these little moments for myself. And that's when I, I realized that I wasn't happy. And it took me a long time to realize that the happier I was the better I was with them and the more that I could give to them and I hear moms say all the time well easier said than done and I always love to say done is better than said I I got that from a a friend of mine his name is Chris Rudin and I was like it's so true but he says anything that requires action literally anything is easier to say than it is to do. It is easier to say you're going to wash your hair than it is to actually go in the shower and wash it, right? Everything's easier said than done. So stop saying that to yourself. You can find the time <laughs> for you. And and when I say like to, to reverse this ship, I, I took really, really tiny, tiny baby steps. And I think that's the only way to make a, a lasting change is to do things slowly and in small increments because otherwise you're biting off more than you can chew or it's unsustainable. So Mm. for me, it just started up with waking up a tiny bit earlier. I I woke up a little earlier just so I could have time while my kids were sleeping that was completely mine, just Mm. peace and quiet to myself. And I, I had a very honest conversation with my husband about what this meant to me. And so then we started as the kids got older with him helping me in the morning. So in the morning, if the kids are hungry and they need to get dressed or whatever it is, he's the one they're going to, he's the one who's helping them so that I can have that time to myself, to meditate, to journal, to write a book. And it has made a huge difference, not only in my life and my perspective and, and in getting myself back, but also in our family's lives, because my Mm -hmm. kids are getting that time with daddy, which is great. And they're also watching me take care of myself. And they are very respectful of it. Like there are times when I have a little sign on my door that says, mom's quiet time. And if they're being loud and they walk by that and they see the sign, they're like, shh, shh, mom's, mom's meditating. And I can hear them, but I I love that they see me doing that and that they Mm -hmm. are growing up with that being like a normal thing that their mother does. And why not you? Why can't that be you? It can, you know, like it doesn't have to be an hour and a half every morning if you don't have someone to help you with your kids, but it could be 20 minutes. You could wake up 20 minutes earlier and just do something for yourself, do burpees for, you know, (laughs) stand on your head, whatever it is, like get, get, get some time to yourself. But that is one of the ways that I think I took back who I was. And then when I started to make that a habit, again, it, it, spilled into everything else I did into my decisions into how I speak to myself into the goals I pursue it all. It's like dominoes.
0: Yeah. Um. Thank you. Because I think that's so important that we can't hear it enough. And, you know, say what so too is the I can't is oftentimes victimhood, you know, yeah. we just have to tell the truth about it. Yeah. You know, we're victimized. And, We want the world to see how we're suffering and how hard this is, and we think that's gonna is what's gonna reflect it. Is one I think unconscious reason we go into that victimhood, and and there's also like just vulnerable, tender things about uh, about it. So there's what I really love about you're saying is take a small step then and then build on it, because if we just say like oh I'm gonna take my morning back and suddenly have this what you got to with your husband you partnering in it, and then you having more and more time was built over time. You know, that didn't happen overnight, No, but it did happen with you making the choice and prioritizing yourself, even in a small way, even if it was like starting with a five minute meditation before you got going, you know, two minutes, just waking up, you know, in a different mindset is, it really is a choice. It is. I I love what you just said.
1: Prioritizing yourself in a small way, and it just it builds and builds, and that's actually what the the title of my book means. When I say, "But definitely wear mascara," it's prioritize yourself in a small way, even if all you have time for is to swipe on the mascara or whatever that is for you. I mean, no actual mascara is necessary. For yeah. me, that's what makes me feel like no, but okay, it's symbolic, I
0: try. Right? It's symbolic, right. and exactly. it's and we can take that small thing and be a little bit more mindful about it, like. Oh, I can look at myself in the mirror. You know, I can mm-hmm. like smile at myself in the mirror while I'm putting on that mascara. I can make that a moment yes. if I choose, right. I and, choose. and just the sheer act of wanting to, you know, look a little nicer for myself, whatever. For myself, you know? right. But I also think it's something that we don't realize is the um, outcome of this, you know, what we're saying, the self-prioritization, the self-mothering, is it more and more allows us and, you know, not choosing victimhood, but choosing, uh, you know, to make a choice is it gets us in the moment. Consciously choosing to put that mascara on, brings us to the present moment. It brings us to ourselves. And I think, I don't think we always say that that's what we're going for, but I believe it's where so much of the nourishment is, is having, yes. oh, oh, and then I took better care of myself. Oh my gosh, I'm in better shape. So I can actually. Be engaged and aware with my child or children or my husband, um, and have, you know, present in the moment interactions with them. And they, yes. you know, those are gold, right? Those don't they are. There, and but if I'm not presencing myself with myself and giving myself some of that space, I'm gonna miss them, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's what I so didn't want, you know, is to miss and I treasure those times where I was present, you know, to myself and I, they're very vivid in my mind, um, moments with with my children or as a family and And they're hard won. That's to me what this is
1: all for. And it's always available to you, that ability to get present, to get into your senses and to be aware Mm -hmm. of what is really happening right now, because the things that are happening in your head don't exist. They are either already happened or they might never, ever happen. The only thing that's real is this moment right now. And so I think what you just said is so important and we can't talk about it enough because despite being something that is simple, it is not easy. And right. it, it is so much easier to get caught up in the sounds in your brain of the, the chatter, the memories, the berating, whatever it is. And none of that's real. Not That's not actually happening. I think my favorite sense when I'm trying to get present is my sense of sound because when I'm listening to what I can actually hear, with my ears, I can't hear what my brain is trying to pull me into that little vortex. And it's, it's extremely powerful. So, 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 much. Yes. All right. I'm going to ask this
0: question and then I have, (laughs) I want to find out how people can find you, but I love how you put mother should be on your resume. And I just would love to hear you speak into that a little bit and then we'll. Yeah. So
1: I realized I, I eventually did go back to lawyering. I, I think I didn't connect those dots with your audience, but I, mm-hmm. I do now um, practice law. I practice um, not at a law firm anymore, but I, I eventually realized that this was something I'm good at and maybe there's a way to do it in a way that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So in between leaving the big law firm and finding myself back in corporate America, I was like, I have a gap on my resume. And I started to think about all of the skills that I learned, not just from the home-based business, but from being a mother at home. And when this really, I think became a popular idea was during COVID. I think people became more receptive to this because Mm -hmm. of the quarantine, because of how many working mothers were unable to report to work, even when businesses reopened because schools weren't reopened or because they couldn't find, you know, childcare and a lot of them needed ways to show like how being a mother makes them marketable. And I I think that these skills are fully translatable to the workplace because being a mother teaches a woman in an almost boot campish way how to be a leader. And nice. those are things that all employers should be looking for in, in their employees. So for for number one, being a mother definitely helps you to juggle multiple things, not to be confused with multitasking. I don't believe Mm -hmm. in multitasking because your brain Mm -hmm. literally, it can't do two things at once, despite what everyone wants (laughs) to tell you, but we can juggle. And what I mean by that is like, we, we know what it's like to have, you know, entertaining these humans or having to pick them up at a certain time and also get dinner on the table and also (laughs) work. So we have, we're able to, to juggle multiple projects at, at once and without freaking out. You know we have that in innate ability, and so I, I used to my the example I would give is yes I can do this research project and write this memo for you and also you know do this thing for the client and no I'm not going to cry like I I have this skill set. Um another thing is like you you talk about mothering in different areas of your life mothers mm-hmm. I think are really good at diffusing conflict in the workplace and really good at at helping people who might not like each other collaborate for the team effort and I do think that that's something that we are better at than perhaps our our male counterparts because of that like you talk about the yin and the, the yang because yeah. I think that's something that's inherently built into us but when we have children we have to hone that skill every day i mean nobody knows more than a mother how to diffuse conflict than someone who has two kids fighting over an ipad when you know the power's out so we know how to 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 diffuse you know conflict and and bring people together and i think that is a great soft skill that mm-hmm. is directly translatable to the workplace and i also think we're very prepared i mean mm-hmm. it only takes your kid barfing in the car once to remember Emesis bags and ginger ale and crackers the next road trip, right? So those <laughs> kinds of things we think about with presentations, like, well, just in case something happens to the laptop, maybe we should put it up, you know, on Google Drive so we can access it from anywhere, from any device. So these are things that I, I, I so think, So transferable,
0: you know, so generalizable. Yeah. And it, we take them for granted because you're so in the moment, you know, right. troubleshooting, figuring this out you know, kind of some of it doing in the fly, but you're bringing forth and, and either developing or utilizing, um, a combination, I think of the yin and yang in a way that sometimes you can kind of get away with not doing in a corporate setting Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's not as called upon.
1: That's Um, exactly right. It's not called upon, but it's valuable.
0: Valuable. And that's what they're seeing. And, you know, in the companies today and, Places where more there are more women in leadership, more women on boards that are bringing this more of that aspect, you know, to the table. They're not just coming to try and be another guy. Exactly. We had to do that for a while, but now, right now, I feel like you know it's time, and and more and more women are bringing this aspect and the fact that you got to kind of work it in a boot camps boot camp sort of way, you know, in in early motherhood only enhances that trait and that ability that is needed. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just, I mean, yes, plenty of research to show how it helps the bottom line, but we we just need it. Like you said, like I, I wanted to work because I, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to feel right. good about what I was doing. It wasn't just for the promotion or to check a box. It really was because I want to feel good and I right. want to feel satisfied. And those are valuable reasons.
1: Absolutely. And if I haven't been working, I'm still valuable because I have yes. these skills that are transferable to the workplace. And I, uh-huh. and, and I want women to highlight those things instead of playing them down and and sort of glossing over them and believing about themselves that they don't have skills when they do.
0: Okay, so I want my audience to know how they can be in contact with you, get your book or anything that you wanna highlight here. And of course it'll be in the show notes.
1: Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So the book is Mm -hmm. available wherever books are sold. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's also on Audible and Kindle. So um if you just search for but definitely wear mascara or Nikki Odin, it'll come up. You can also find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My handle is Nikki Odin. And of course, my website, your ideal com or the podcast yes. Love Your Mom Life.
0: Yes. And you can um, hear Gertrude. You can hear me and uh, lots of other great um people and Nikki herself. So it's been a pleasure. My last question that I like to end the show with is. What does rewriting the mother code mean to you?
1: Rewriting the mother code to me means allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to be the mother you want to be and not the mother you were told you were supposed to be or that you read about in a book or even that you saw modeled for you by your own mother. And, And really allowing yourself to be the whole person. And that's what it's meant for me. Not... Losing myself to one or the other, but allowing myself to be both a woman with goals and dreams, and a mother who fiercely loves her children.
0: Oh, so beautifully said, so on point, uh, Nikki. Which which we not surprised you have it like really nailed in there because it's what you're doing. I feel like, and I'm so grateful to meet people who are rewriting their mother codes and you know taking what is been in our culture, uh, kind of a a minimized job that we're supposed to do and all the things and uplifting it into what it's how it should be honored, but the growth opportunity and the potential in it. So thank you.
1: Thank Thank you for doing
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So thankful that uh, Nikki could join us on the podcast. And I think she has so much of value to contribute. And I think just continuously hearing voices, experiences, and examples of women who are making choices and rewriting their mother codes and doing it their way, but mindfully and responsibly, and in ways that uh, we can emulate. and and I think we always have to watch because I if you listened all the way through, there was a point at which I talked about that it's it's easy to get in victimhood. As a mom, you know, victimhood, self-pity, and mistake that for pain or um, you know, actual feelings. And it's not, it's our victimhood. And it's okay to have a little boohoo and feel sorry for ourselves. But what I think, you know, Nikki and our conversation, we were really underlining that we have so much more choice than we think we do. And just how important it is to activate that choice, you know, make a first step like any first step toward uh, something that is self-care oriented. Even if it's doing something that you are already doing, like going to the bathroom, right? Something we got to do. We can't not do that and take time for that. But what if in that moment while we're releasing We thought something like, oh, what is it that I need to release today as I'm going to the bathroom? Like we don't have to make this hard. We just have to in moments and sometimes building on something that we're already doing or have to do. I'm using that example because it's so explicit, but it could be also something like brushing our teeth or making coffee. If there's just certain have tos that you have in your life, we can just add a twist to it and add something like, oh, you know. If it's coffee, what do I, uh, what do I feel energized about today? If we think about the spirit of the sacredness of the coffee bean, even and and be a little and say a little prayer over my coffee and the energy that I invoke in it to give me for the day. So, I want to you know keep breaking it down, making it as simple as possible, but more and more getting rid of, letting go of any uh, victimhood. And then guilt or shame when we are doing additional things to the like have tos. And I think that's something that we talked about and and underlined. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, this is where coaching is really helpful because setting out and, and really clarifying a vision for yourself, uh, because that vision is your rewritten mother code. It is you, you know, naming and saying, like, what matters to you? What's the kind of quality of experience? And Nikki said that too, you know, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And, um, we can paint that picture, you know, in a vision and write it how we want to write it. And that is possible when something else, Nikki said, you know, she saw when she looked at kind of some of the choices or, you know, how it kind of looked to her of the choices that she had, about how mothering was going to go for her. She didn't always like everything that she saw and she wanted to create her own path. And that's what we have the chance to do. It is possible. And hearing from people like her shows us that it's possible. So again, would love your thoughts. Would love to hear anything that struck you about, you know, this particular conversation and any reactions or thoughts you have around choice versus victimhood. Would love to hear it. So reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. You can DM me or send me an email, gertrude at com. And always, please, please, please go to my website and sign up for my newsletter because I love sharing both things that I'm learning and things that are on my mind, as well as letting you know, you know, what I'm offering and, and things I have going in my world. All right. Till next time. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful, and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.